Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Hey, everybody. Good evening. These are tough times we're living in. I, I never in my lifetime thought I would see such chaos as we have now, and many people are wondering, is this the end of America? The answer is, none of us know, but it's a fair question, and I'm not being, uh, I'm not being hyperbolic about that. There are forces uh, going on in this country right now that are absolutely astonishing. It's truly amazing what's happening. So I wanted to just dive into a few things. It's on the news, it's on all of our minds, there are absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary things going on that cannot be underestimated or understated. They're absolutely beyond comprehension, really, in many people's eyes. So uh, let's talk about some of these things and go through them. I want to talk about uh, what's been going on in the news lately. Uh, it's been a few days since I've talked to you. You know, we took the Creating Wealth podcast from five days a week to three days a week. And then all of this happens. And I felt like I needed to be talking with you three times a day, not three times a week. But, you know, sometimes it's uh, like when you watch uh, the the idiots on CNN and they just sit there blabbing and they're not really saying anything as the story develops, right? Because they just don't have anything to say. Let's dive into a few things. So this is not the Porter Stansberry version, by the way. Years ago, maybe 10 years ago or so, Stansberry released a, uh, a, a very famous video called The End of America. And it was mostly about uh, the subject of debt and the fiscal and monetary issues, which I have always said they aren't what they seem to be because all of those people are just doing the math. They don't see the bigger picture. They don't ever seem to account for the fact that the U.S. has the reserve currency. It has the military to keep it that way. It has the biggest brand in the world. It's where people, no matter how much they say they hate America, no matter how much they say that, many of them would love to come to America. So that, that whole concept, that whole discussion about the end of America because of a currency collapse has never really been correctly evaluated, in my opinion. And if you've been listening to my podcast for the past, you know, 16 years or so, you've heard me talk about that. But we are in different circumstances now, for sure. So as I said, most of those issues are centered about around the debt, around, you know, this debt that's absolutely insane. It's absolutely crazy. And especially this last year, with the uh, the virus, we saw an absolutely unprecedented amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus. Just, you know, the, these statistics are so outrageous, they're not even, 
worth discussing in many ways. Uh, you know, that, that a huge percentage of all the money ever created since the Federal Reserve came into existence over 100 years ago was created last year. I, I mean, it's absolutely, you know, it, it just boggles the mind. These numbers on your screen boggle the mind. This is the debt clock. You can go to usdebtclock.org and, and see the numbers move. And so these are all a concern, but they're never correctly evaluated, really. And this was the basis for this very popular End of America video years ago. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's look at what we've been going through a little bit. And then let's look at what's happened in the past week that is absolutely beyond the beyond. <laughs> I mean, you know, many of us don't even have words for it. It's so, it's so outrageous. The, the things we thought would never, ever happen that never could happen are happening in, in real time, in real life. It's just astonishing. So the media and the governments have fear-mongered. They have made us all afraid. And there are, they have manipulated statistics. They have manipulated tests. There is all sorts of stuff on this. And even if I talk about it, I stand the the chance of being banned. And I'll tell you how I was banned last week. Okay, you'll, you'll see that in just a moment. So you can't even talk about this because the censorship is absolutely unbelievable. It is, I, there's just no words for it. There are no words for it. But Americans are scared. They're in fear. They don't feel comfortable traveling. They don't feel comfortable going to a concert, going to a party, going to a sporting event, going to the movies, going to the gym, going to the shopping mall, going out to eat. And what does this mean? People aren't socializing. Their communities, their friendships, their networks are disbanding. They are being diminished. They are being eviscerated. You go into a store, you go out walking on the street. You know, today at lunch, I was walking the dog around the lake here. You know, people are wearing masks out in, outdoors and they don't talk to each other. They don't look at each other. Their face is covered up. They're dehumanized. These are all ways to get people to be distant from each other, right? To get people to be distant from each other. It is certainly a sad and, uh, and disconcerting thing that we've got going on now. So we have this. We have the not conspiracy theory, because this is from the website for the World Economic Forum, you know, where all the uber-rich people meet in Davos every year, right? They meet, they fly their private jets with huge carbon footprints to Davos, Switzerland, and they talk about how to fix the environment. Now, granted, they could all take commercial jets there, or at least most of the way there. They don't. Uh, but this is not a conspiracy theory. It's not some wacko thing. It's on their website. It, just go to their website. I, I, I took a screenshot. This is from their website, The Great Reset, right? This whole discussion of The Great Reset. And I've done a video on that. And you can see that video on my YouTube channel. I've done podcasts on it. You know, I, I won't go into what The Great Reset is here in any detail. But essentially, the idea is they will collapse the currencies, they will put everybody out of work, they will make people dependent on government. And they'll basically say, give us your property, give us your liberty in essence, and we will take care of you. And 
How has that worked throughout history? Has that worked well throughout history? I don't think so. When the Soviet Union uh, got going, right, when it got underway during its prosperous times, the whole country, well, not the whole country, but the whole Soviet bloc, right, all of the countries, right, that were part of the Union, they became a giant labor camp where people were forced to work. And people who are forced into labor, they don't think of great ideas, they don't think of great art, they don't innovate, but they do their work because they don't want to be sent to the gulag, right? They don't want to be sent to a, uh, a re-education camp. There's talk that Trump will or has already signed the Insurrection Act. I don't know if this is true or not. This is all somewhat speculation so far at the time of this recording that I hope you see, by the way. I hope it's not censored. But follow Judicial Watch. I had the founder of Judicial Watch on the podcast recently. Actually, I interviewed him, but I don't know that we've published that interview yet. It's coming if we haven't published it yet. I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. He's also now the founder of another one called Freedom Watch. Uh, so follow those organizations. I recommend you donate to them because they really, you know, they, they do the lawsuits. To, uh, they do the FOIA requests to get the information that is needed that should be in the hands of the people. So follow Judicial Watch and Freedom Watch, the new organization uh, as well. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, what has basically happened here, whether it was on purpose by design or not, it has happened either way. The vast majority of these small businesses that have been put out of business or been very stressed, take a guess at who that voting block is. That is mostly Trump supporters or would-be Trump supporters. Okay. These are just hardworking Americans, right? They're just regular people. They're not, they're not rich. They're just small business people trying to do their thing and make it in the world, right? They've taken a huge risk. They've opened a restaurant. They've opened a, a small, you know, industrial or manufacturing company. They make widgets, whatever they do, right? They have a delivery service. They have a, a this or a that. They have a uh, a business here or there, right? And this was the first swath of businesses that were destroyed. And now these people have become dependent. And when you are dependent, you are essentially a ward of the state. You are a servant of the state. Because now the state holds all the power. It's like the parent holding the power over the child. If you're good, you'll get your allowance. If you're not good, well, you won't get your allowance, right? And, and, and that's the way it is. And so as we move into this time, we see more and more power over the people exerted by governments, not just in the U.S., but around the world. It's everywhere. But, you know, these are three books that had a huge impact on me. If you don't have time to read the book, just go watch. There's, you know, while they're still online before they're censored, there are many summaries about them online, uh, video summaries, cliff notes, whatever, or read the whole book while they're still available to you. Of course, 1984 by George Orwell, super important book. We are living in that time. You know, that, that book was written, I believe, in 1949. It was a prediction of how the future would be in 1984. And it came a little late, but it's definitely here, folks. We're here. We have arrived in 1984. 
Fahrenheit 451, why is it called that? Because at 451 degrees Fahrenheit, books will burn. They had the firemen, and they uh, they had the firemen in Ray Bradbury's book, Fahrenheit 451, who would um, come to people's homes and burn their unapproved books because these books weren't approved and the government thought these books would confuse people and they didn't want people to be confused. So they had to burn a whole bunch of these books because God forbid, you know, it's, it's for the people's own protection. They, they didn't want them to be confused. And then Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Well, that was where they had, what was that drug called? It was called Soma, I think, right? Soma. The Soma drug was there to make sure that uh, uh, people would feel good. And they would, you know, they would have, I, I don't remember this one that well, but they would have their entertainment, basically what the Romans called their bread and circuses, right? Bread and circuses, look that up. And they'd be in this state of kind of uh, where they would feel good and they wouldn't want for more. And, oh yeah, the, uh, Ron, thank you for your post, Ron, the cruise industry, the travel industry, certainly. Yeah, UBI, it's, uh, you know, this is all a reason to institute universal basic income. And so so they had all this, and, and in all of these things, they controlled the population. And now we have the gods of big tech doing what I, as I recall, this was talked about in 1984, by the way, uh, memory holding where they are literally rewriting history, or to be more specific, they're redacting history, right? They're redacting it. So certain things are disappearing from the collective consciousness. They are memory-holding these things. How does a Wiktionary, which I think is part of Wikipedia, I don't know, define this, right? Memory-holding is an action or instance of alteration or disappearance of inconvenient, an inconvenient truth, <laughs> or embarrassing documents, photographs, transcripts, or other records. Or it might be taking the President of the United States off of Twitter and Facebook and banning him and deleting all of his tweets. So boom, that entire record is just gone from history. Now, you can hate the president of the United States. That's a wonderful privilege we have here in this country. We can say F you to the president of the United States. And you know, at least so far, no one's going to knock at your door. <laughs> You're not going to go to jail. You're still going to be able to run your business and take care of your family. But in the new world, you might lose your business because the powers that be are, they're no longer constrained by the Constitution. They're no longer constrained by the concept of free speech and the First Amendment. Why? Because they're not the government. They're in partnership with some evil, disgusting parts of the government, no question about that. Joe Biden's cabinet has all sorts of tech executives on it, okay? In his administration, there's all sorts of big tech representatives. So maybe you won't be able to run your business. I've heard thousands of stories of people's uh, YouTubers who uh, report news that uh, isn't liked by the powers that be and their channels are demonetized or completely deleted. They're taken away. 
they're memory holing. They're taking, they're redacting from the record of history so that they can revise it in their own, in their own version, right? Their own version of history. Of course, what happened on Capitol Hill last week was terrible. Violence is awful. But think about it. Think about this for a moment. You know, I saw a lot of the videos, and I hope you did too, taken by individuals. And they were promptly taken down from, you know, various internet sites, of course. But I downloaded them onto my own computer. And I highly recommend that everything you see that is might be considered controversial, that you download the video, that you take screenshots of the post, you take screenshots of, of the pictures, because that record is being deleted. It is being redacted by the Silicon Valley, well, the Silicon Valley elites. The Communist Party of Silicon Valley. Is that what it is? I don't know. Now, one of the videos I saw that I downloaded to my own computer that I can't show you because inside of Google Slides, you can't actually play the video unless you put it on YouTube. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? It's all tied together, folks. You gotta, you gotta do everything their way. So this video showed here, you can see this is 56 second video. This is one second in and this is three seconds into the video. This video shows police here and here it shows the protesters. And two seconds later, it shows the protesters simply walking into an unlocked door, an unlocked door and going into the Capitol. Before this, I saw another video where there were a bunch of policemen. There were gates, barricades, and protesters on the other side of the barricades. And then it showed the police just pulling the barricades open. I saw these with my own eyes. And the protesters then walked right in and got closer to the building. And in this video, I don't know, you know, there were multiple entrances probably. I don't, I don't know the details. I haven't researched this intensively. I just haven't had the time. So I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm just telling you what little I did see. I saw other videos too. But here, they're just going into an unlocked door. They did not break in or anything. The door was unlocked. And then in the hallway, by the way, I didn't take a screenshot of this, but it's in the same video. In the hallway, it shows them just walking right past police inside the building. You know, police with, you know, their Kevlar vests on and their weapons and everything, and they didn't stop them. They just walked right in. I don't know what to make of that exactly, but years ago, I interviewed on my podcast, the author of this book, uh, Scott Cleland. Uh, the book is called Search and Destroy. And this was maybe 10, 12 years ago. And he was, he wrote this book about Google and how, you know, they did all these evil things, right? Let's just talk about this for a moment, okay? You know, some people say, look, these are private businesses. They can do what they want. And I agree with you. Private businesses are fine. I, I love private businesses. I'm all for private businesses being able to do what they want. If a restaurant doesn't want to serve you because you're a bad customer, they should have the right to say, no, you know, we're not going to serve you here. And Facebook and Google should have that right too. But that's not quite the world we live in, folks. These companies have monopolies or, or duopolies. Okay, there is no legitimate competitor to Facebook, 
Well, you might say Instagram. Well, Instagram's owned by Facebook. So same thing. You might say, well, you know, you don't have to use Google. You can use YouTube. Well, Google or Alphabet, the parent company, owns both <laughs> and a bunch of other things, right? So we're in this dystopian world where we have these giant companies that have no competition. And as I've been saying for 10, 12 years now on the podcast, you know, you can go back and listen to my old episodes <laughs> while they're there, right? Before censorship. And you can listen to me talk about how these companies need to be one of three or a combination of three things needs to happen with our tech gods. They need to be busted up under antitrust laws, which is what antitrust laws are for, okay? To preserve a market where there's a competitive force. Competition is good for companies. They're forced to get better. You know, I have competition in my businesses and it forces me to work harder, to do more, to think harder about new ways to serve customers better. So they need to be either broken up under antitrust laws or number two, they need to be regulated under common carrier laws like utilities. Think about this. If you're on the phone with somebody and you have a conversation and the phone company doesn't like what you say, the phone company doesn't get to cancel your phone service so long as you're paying the bill. And then you might say, detractors, <laughs> idiots, <laughs> might say, well, you don't pay Facebook, it's free. Google is free. No, it's not free. You are paying with your attention and your data. Remember, when anything's free, you are the product. You are the sheep, okay? And that's fine. I'll make that trade if I, you know, if I choose to. It's okay, you know, to trade your time and your data to build their platform and make them billionaires, right? That's, it's okay if I understand what the trade is. I'll, you know, if I engage in that trade freely, it's okay. I, I don't object to that. It's okay that these companies, you know, do what they do. And you know, some of it makes their products better. I mean, their products are amazing. We all love them, right? So they need to be busted up under antitrust laws, regulated like utilities as common carriers. I mean, think about it. If the gas company or the electric company or the water company sees that you have a Trump sign in front of your house on your lawn, they don't get to shut off your water or shut off your gas or shut off your electricity, right? They don't get to do that. Facebook and Google shouldn't be able to do that either. Number three, their algorithms should be made public so every computer geek in the world could tell us all, could look at those algorithms, could see the code, and see what they're doing. They do all kinds of things. Uh, you could post something on Facebook or Twitter, and you've seen these, maybe these videos, these undercover videos that have been done where Twitter employees were laughing and talking about how they would ghost post people. You know, they would, if someone, uh, and this was before uh, the 2016 election as we were running up to it, they were uh, saying, and you know, these were hidden camera videos. I, I saw them with my own eyes, okay? I didn't rely on anybody else. I saw them. I heard the people saying this. They say, you know, they would allow the post to stay up on Twitter, but they would make it so nobody saw it. So it was ghost posted, or maybe only a few people saw it. So the person wonders, well, why didn't that post get much interaction or engagement or many retweets or many likes? 
But when I posted what I had for lunch yesterday, I posted a picture of my lunch, you know, all sorts of people retweeted it and liked it or whatever, right? Well, it's because of all these shenanigans that take place with these companies, right? So here, think about this. I want you to compare this, okay? So the revenue of Facebook last year was here. It was number 71 above many other countries. They had more revenue than Luxembourg, more than Panama, who has that special canal, more than Croatia. That's Facebook. So if you think that these companies shouldn't be accountable in a different way than another company that is subject to competitive forces, you're just out of your mind. I'm sorry, but anybody who thinks that is out of their mind, okay? They're out of their mind. These companies are giant. They're bigger than many countries. They have different responsibilities when they're that big. If they want to stay that big, they need to abide by constitutional rules, abide by the Constitution. I mean, they're bigger than lots of governments. Heck, they're much bigger than the United States was when it wrote its Constitution. And for many years after, maybe 100 years after, I don't know, you know, these countries have a GDP bigger than many countries. Okay, what about this one? What about Apple? What about Amazon? Now, Amazon canceled Parler. They took them off the internet. Why? Because Amazon has a service called AWS. That's their big server business where they host, and I'm a customer of that company. I hope they don't cancel me too. So Amazon's GDP and Apple's GDP rivals that of the country of Chile and Finland. Bigger, They're both bigger than Finland, okay? So these other governments, Chile, Finland, uh, Luxembourg, Panama, Croatia, do they get to violate people's rights to free speech? No, these are democratic countries. People have free speech rights there. Well, in Chile, they didn't with the last dictator, but they do now, okay, because it's, it's, there's been a revolution of sorts. And these countries have different responsibilities. Listen to this. Now, this is not a new video, by the way. The censorship has gotten dramatically worse since this video. So just keep that in perspective. Good evening. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. So did you take a moment from your busy life to turn on the hearings on Capitol Hill today with the Silicon Valley CEOs? Don't be embarrassed if you didn't. You probably didn't. No matter how worried you are about big tech, and obviously you should be gravely concerned, you may have decided to skip today's spectacle and fold the laundry or call your in-laws instead, and we don't judge you for that. Previous hearings on big tech have not produced a lot. Elderly senators who can't manage to send their own text messages wagging their fingers in the face of sneering, sneering billionaire tech oligarchs from San Francisco, all of whom seem to understand that no matter what happens inside the hearing room, they'll get to continue doing whatever they want to do because they've got all the money. Let's go. We've seen that a number of times. It seems pointless. In fact, it seems insulting to the rest of us. And in the end, today's hearings may prove just as pointless. We'll find out. But for one brief moment today, you got the feeling that maybe actual progress was being made. Maybe the good guys might not be entirely lame. That moment came when Senator Josh Hawley asked Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, about an internal tool that his company has developed called Centra. By the way, Hawley knew about isn't that the senator whose book deal was canceled? Facebook employees use Centra to spy on users, even when those users are not using Facebook. 
Centra gives Facebook access to troves of personal data, including the pages users visit and the accounts they have linked to Facebook. You didn't know about this because all of it happens in secret. It's probably not even legal. So today at the hearings, Josh Hawley confronted Mark Zuckerberg about this. And here's how it went. Centra is a tool that Facebook uses to track its users, not just on Facebook, but across the entire internet. Centra tracks different profiles that a user visits, their message recipients, their linked accounts, the pages they visit around the web. Mr. Zuckerberg, how many accounts in the United States have been subject to review and shut down through Centra? Senator, I do not know because I'm not actually familiar with the name of that tool. I'm sure that we have tools that help us with uh, our, our platform and community integrity work. Um, but I, I Integrity not is not a word you name. associate with do this man. Do you have man. a tool that does exactly what I've described and that you can see here over my shoulder? Or are you saying that that doesn't exist? Senator, I, I'm saying that I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it, Senator. But hold on a second, Mark Zuckerberg. You run the company. You started it. And Centra sounds like a pretty big deal. Are you saying that Centra doesn't exist? Well, no. It turns out that's not what they're saying. Just hours ago, a Facebook spokesperson admitted to Fox News that Centra is indeed real. And according to that spokesperson, Centra is, quote, used to centralize and aid investigations into complex subjects like coordinated inauthentic behavior, end quote. Coordinated inauthentic behavior. Hard to pronounce, you may never have heard of it. It's otherwise known as astroturfing. That's the process of creating fake grassroots political movements, sometimes by foreign governments. It's something the left claims to be very concerned about. In other words, Centra is yet another long-term consequence of the Russia hoax. So Adam Schiff gets hysterical about Vladimir Putin, and then Facebook gets to spy on you without your knowledge and then sell the data they gather. Perfect. But somehow Mark Zuckerberg, who runs the company, said he had no idea it was going on. And Centra wasn't the only secret internal data gathering tool that Zuckerberg claimed to be ignorant of. Senator Hawley also asked him about another internal Facebook program called Tasks. According to Senator Hawley's whistleblowers, Tasks allows Facebook's censorship teams to, quote, communicate with their counterparts at Twitter and Google, and then enter those companies' suggestions for censorship onto the task platform so that Facebook can then follow up with them and effectively coordinate their censorship efforts. Got that? They're all in it together. The tech companies amount to a censorship cartel. Mark Zuckerberg did not deny this. Instead, he conceded it would be, quote, probably pretty normal for people to talk to their peers in the industry. And so, yes, it is all real. Silicon Valley acts as one. The tech oligarchs join forces to censor their political opponents. You may be one of them. You weren't being paranoid to worry about this. You were absolutely right. Is the hair on your arm standing up yet? Chris Coons isn't worried. He was thrilled to hear it. He wants more. Coons is a senator from Delaware. He's a former Joe Biden staffer, actually. The press routinely describes Chris Coons as moderate, not because of what he says, but because of how he says it. Chris Coons is boring, therefore he must be reasonable. That's the thinking. <laughs> but in fact, Chris Coons is not reasonable. He is a power-hungry lunatic who doesn't believe in the First Amendment. Of course, Chris Coons went to Yale Law School. Ever notice how no one who went to Yale Law School acknowledges the Bill of Rights? What's their constitutional law class like at Yale Law School? We should find out. Watch Chris Coons push Mark Zuckerberg in the hearings today for even more censorship. According to Chris Coons, there's not enough. You do, Mr. Dorsey, have um, policies against 
uh, deep fakes or manipulated media against COVID-19 misinformation, against um, things that violate civic integrity, but you don't have a standalone climate change misinformation policy. Um, why not? Helping uh, to disseminate climate denialism, in my view, um, further facilitates and accelerates one of the greatest existential threats to our world. So that was to Jack Dorsey, who runs Twitter. And Chris Coons's point was really simple. People who disagree with Chris Coons are, quote, an existential threat to our world. They must be silent. So who are these people that Chris Coons doesn't believe should be allowed to speak in public? Well, plenty of them would be credentialed scientists who might have legitimate questions about Chris Coons's global warming theories. Chris Coons is a lawyer who spent the last 20 years in government. Everything he knows about climate, he learned from an issue of The Atlantic magazine he picked up at the airport newsstand. Chris <laughs> Coons is a non-expert. Oh, Tucker. But under the standard he is demanding, and demanded today in Congress, the social media monopolies would censor anyone who questions his shallow, silly views on one of the most complex areas of known science. That is not a moderate position. It is authoritarianism. And there's a huge cost to the rest of us. This is censorship. Censorship doesn't simply kill expression, though it does. Censorship kills thinking and innovation and wisdom. Censorship inexorably leads to self-censorship. People quickly learn what they're allowed to express and what they're allowed to believe. And so they stopped asking questions, even of themselves. Their minds become narrower. They stop creating. Art dies. Banality takes its place. Science, which depends on free inquiry, becomes impossible. Does that sound familiar to you? It's where we are right now. But that's not a problem for people like Chris Coons. His main concern. It's like we're moving into a new dark age. It's absolutely unbelievable what, what is happening. I, I just cannot believe it's going on, right? So I put up the uh, website, pandemicinvesting.com below. Please make sure you go there, get the free book. There's no, it's just a PDF, okay? You don't have to put in your address or credit card or shipping or any scam like that, okay? So just go get your free book and you'll be on our email list because we cannot depend on these platforms, okay? So email lists might be the new thing and it might be like, you know, underground newsletters. I mean, who knows what, what's going to happen here? Who knows what is going to happen? But listen, uh, just Tucker's got some great stuff. I've noticed that, uh, and this is just my suspicion, that he even seems to be censoring himself now because he's afraid. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid they'll lose their job. They'll, they'll get kicked off, you know, whatever, right? So, but I've got more examples and I want to get to those, okay? So let's, let's move on. But uh, he's got some great stuff. So alternatives, Gab, MeWe, uh, CloudHub, BitChute, Rumble, Mines, Telegram, Signal. Now, Parler is down, as you know, because Amazon kicked them off the internet. Uh, but it'll hopefully go back up on another server somewhere. Um, but listen to this. This gets much worse. Mozilla, that owns the Firefox browser that you probably started using years ago because you liked their libertarian bent and you liked that they were into privacy and freedom. Well, guess what? Firefox says that they are going to censor which websites people can visit using their browser. And I'll bet you this kind of thinking is being talked about right now at 
what I used to believe was like the more ethical of the big tech companies, but now I think they're disgusting. Apple, Apple, shame on Tim Cook. I mean, he's just as seems just as bad as the rest. But listen, go ahead and prove me wrong, Tim. Come on, show us you're you're a good guy. Because I thought Apple was like one of the good companies, but I no longer think so, sadly. Uh, and um, I'm sure they are talking about doing that with the Safari browser. And uh, Google, of course, is talking about doing it with Chrome, I'm sure, because they don't want people to get misinformation at pro-Trump websites. Literally, not, not kicking people off platforms, but this is controlling the internet, okay? The internet itself, they want to control the internet. And they're close to being able to do that. I mean, they've got all of the tools. And look, they're all friends with each other. I mean, don't you think these people talk and socialize, these billionaires? Of course they do. You know, hey, Tim, uh, this is Mark Zuckerberg. Let's go out on my yacht this weekend. Which yacht, Mark? Okay, well, let me see. I think Larry Page and Sergey Brin are going to be there too. And, um, you know, whatever, right? And Eric Schmidt, you know, and uh, all the rest, right? They're, they're all, you know, oh, hey, Bill Gates is going to come and talk about his vaccines because he's a doctor, right? Oh, wait, no, he's a scientist, right? No, no, no. He's he's just a computer guy and a businessman. You know, this is this is nuts, the world we're living in, folks. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. In India, they've got a kill switch for the internet. An entire kill switch. Yep, they just flick it off. Remember Iran years ago when they had their uprising and their revolution? Obama just abandoned the people, or not, yeah, Iran, not Iraq, yeah, Iran. And Obama just in abandoned the Iranian people. The government there tried to shut down Twitter. And uh, Twitter was one of the ways that, you know, the, the, the people who wanted freedom were trying to coordinate their defense against their evil government, right? And Obama just turned a blind eye, totally abandoned the people, didn't care about them at all. That's when this whole movement to have an internet kill switch started. And, um, you know, here you go. Look at the number of shutdowns, right, in India for uh, the last eight years. So uh, that's coming to a neighborhood near you. You know, there was that uh, Pakistan power outage, 200 million people uh, in the Vatican as well, power outage there. There's all kinds of crazy, suspicious stuff going on. Um, this happened to me last Wednesday. I, I woke up. So uh, someone posted this, which I thought was an inflammatory post. So congrats on making history, you douchebag Trumpers. And I posted in response, oh, that thing keeps going over my, you have to look at the bottom of the screen. I can't move my mouse there because uh, it, it goes, oh, and I've got to, I got to move this too. Hang on a second. Let me move that little banner. Okay, there you go. So look at the bottom of my screen. It says, no, comma, they are simply trying to get a fair election, period. And the next morning I woke up and the gods at Facebook said that my account has been restricted and that I can't live stream or buy any advertising from them. Oh, I'm not going to get to spend any money with them for 30 days. They've, uh, they've suspended me from those activities. So, so here I am on YouTube only. Well, I still can talk. And I put this Voltaire quote in there because I really like this quote. 
I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. If these were decent people, but they're certainly not, that would be their philosophy. They would say, I hate what you say. I can't stand it. But because I believe in democratic ideals, and I don't believe in dictatorships, I don't believe in Marxism, I believe in freedom and democracy, right? I will defend to the death your right to say it. But they don't think that at all. They don't think that at all. And, you know, for those of you who say, well, you know, these are private businesses. They can do what they want. Well, Ron Paul spoke at our Meet the Masters conference a couple of years ago. And now Ron Paul has been deplatformed. <laughs> so there you go. He, he posted, uh, he said, with no explanation other than, quote, repeatedly going against our community standards, quote, unquote, Facebook has blocked me from managing my page. Never have I received notice of violating community standards in the past, and nowhere is the offending post identified. Ron Paul, a harmless old man who simply believes that we should have sound money. That's it. I, I mean, he, he is like a sweet, gentle man, right? And, and you know, he's been deplatformed. Can you imagine if in, um, well, I don't know what the exact date was, but on or about 1776, uh, someone said that, uh, you know, sorry, Paul Revere, I'm not going to be able to put a couple of candles in the window, one if by land, two if by sea. Okay, I won't be able to because I've been deplatformed. We can't communicate any longer. No, one if by land, two if by sea, they shut down my account. And uh, I'm not able to access candles now. So, you know, you're just not going to know. There's going to be no midnight ride of Paul Revere because uh, I can't signal anybody with, with the candles, right? There you go. That's basically what's happening now. Prager U, Dennis Prager, uh, you know, I, I've talked about him before. He, his company or his charitable foundation makes great videos, Prager University. Um, and uh, they've, they've been, you know, they sued uh, Google and YouTube. And I don't know what's happening with that lawsuit, but um, they, uh, the censorship is getting to extreme, extreme levels. But the creme de la creme has to be that they permanently banned the president of the United States of America from Twitter and Facebook. I don't know if Facebook was a permanent ban. Twitter is a permanent ban and Facebook, at least he's been banned, right? So, I, I mean, this, this is absolute insanity. I, I, can't, I cannot believe this. You shouldn't be able to believe it either. But look at these people. They didn't suffer any bans. Cory Booker says he wants to punch the president in the face. Joe Biden wants to beat up the president. I don't think he could take him. <laughs> Maxine Waters, and I've witnessed her for decades now. I mean, she's a complete violent scumbag. Incites others to harass Trump supporters in public. 
I saw the video with my own eyes. Did you see it? Where she says, when you see these people in a restaurant, shout at them, throw drinks at them, ruin their, ruin their time, embarrass them in public. But wait a second, go way back to the LA riots, the Rodney King riots, right? In what, 1993? I was there. I lived in Orange County at the time. I grew up in Los Angeles, so I knew all those areas where this was happening. And Maxine Waters went on TV. And what did she say? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. She was fomenting the violence and the riots. Did they take her off TV? No. Did they arrest her for inciting violence? No. Nothing. Okay. Jimmy Kimmel and other late night hosts joke about assassinating the president. Snoop Dogg makes a video assassinating the president. Kathy Griffin poses with severed bloody head of President Trump. Johnny Depp jokes about assassinating the president. Madonna wants to blow up the White House. Black Lives Matter chants they want cops dead and fry them like bacon. Antifa routinely assaults Republican and conservatives. AOC calls the border control agents Nazis, refusing to condemn the violence against them. Representative Scalise, shot by Bernie Sanders supporter, nearly dies, okay? The so-called squad supports terrorists of Hamas and Palestine and routinely spews anti-Semitic rhetoric. Congress refuses to call on Ilium Omar, uh, to call out Ilium Omar on her anti-Semitic, anti-American remarks. And, you know, it's just all the rest, okay? These people, any censorship, any bans? No, not at all. Not at all. And then you look at the track record of, of some of these people in government. They've been in government for decades. You know, Patrick Leahy, 54 years in government. Joe Biden, 51 years. By the way, right around the time the gold standard went away, Joe Biden got into the game. That's funny. Pelosi, 33 years in government. And, uh, you know, I mean, all the rest, right? It's, it's just unbelievable. Dianne Feinstein, 60 years. 60 years. <laughs> Trump, at the time this little meme was made, three years in government. It's unbelievable. So, folks, that is the world we live in. It's absolutely scary, tragic. These are just incredible times we're living in. Um, I hope it's not the end of America, but I certainly think it's end, the end of America as we know it. The trust has been lost. I don't know that there's any healing or going back from this kind of environment. I don't know if it means a secession movement. I don't know what it means. None of us really know. Um, the next nine days are going to be, uh, they're going to be just uh, weird to say the least. Who knows what's going to happen over the next nine days. Um, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And we'll be here to report uh, for you and uh, and share our thoughts. Of course, you've got the lamestream media to uh, spew their lies and uh, misinformation. And just remember, the biggest misinformation in the news business is the information you don't hear. That's the biggest lie of all, the lie, lo the lie of omission. Because remember what I always say on the podcast, you can't hear the dogs that don't bark. You can't hear the dogs that don't bark. You can't think about 
or evaluate uh, anything that you don't know about, something that you're completely unaware of. That is the biggest lie of all. It's the squelching of speech. It's the things that they don't report on. It's the uneven reporting. It's the, it's the omission. That is the biggest lie of them all. The biggest lie of them all. So uh, be sure to go to pandemicinvesting.com. Uh, yes, there's a commercial purpose. We are a business. We've got a free book for you there about investing in these pandemic times. But most importantly, you'll be on our email list so you can stay connected with us because hopefully uh, the powers that be won't be able to shut down email anytime soon. Yeah, they can shut down you know, your social media, your YouTube channel, they can do all of that stuff. But hopefully, uh, email will be one way we can communicate. And if not, hopefully snail mail, maybe we have to go back to that. Who knows? Who knows? It's like, it's like an underground newsletter, the way uh, people used to pass messages in other oppressive times throughout history. That's uh, sadly, what, uh, <laughs> what we have, thanks to the Communist Party of Silicon Valley. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely unbelievable times. So what about investing? What about money? What about protecting your wealth? Well, I have been thinking a lot about a strategy. You know, I love income property, the most historically proven asset class in human history. But I've been thinking about a strategy to combine it with cryptocurrency, to Bitcoin, namely to make it a portable wealth strategy. And I've been thinking about this. I've been talking with some of my advisors about it. And I've got some ideas that haven't fully developed, but I'll be sharing them with you soon. So stay tuned for that on the podcast and in the YouTube channel, as long as it all lasts. And uh, I'm going to be sharing some ideas for a Bitcoin real estate strategy uh, that might be a solution to this. Now, who knows how bad things will get? I want to tell you, I have another podcast that used to be my number two show years ago, and I didn't, I haven't really been producing as much for it, but I highly recommend that you go listen to the old episodes of my holistic survival show, because I'm not saying that you need to develop the sickness a lot of these survivalists have. It's like a sickness, right? Where they spend so much time preparing for the end of the world, making sure they'll live through it, that they, they, they never really live in the first place, right? And the point of life is to live your life and enjoy it. But there are some prudent strategies to spend just a little bit of time on and a little bit of money on, not much, uh, to prepare in case of emergency, inexpensive, easy stuff that every responsible adult should be doing. So be sure to check out my Holistic Survival show, uh, that podcast, uh, that is very helpful for that. I've got about 270 or so episodes, I think, on that show now. And um, many of those were recorded years and years ago, but there's some very good information. It does not change. Uh, and RR says pigeons are the way to go. Yeah, maybe we'll need carrier pigeons soon. Who knows? Hopefully not. Uh, but keep the faith. Stay tuned. Uh, remember, America is a great country, and it does have checks and balances. 
it's awfully hard to destroy a great country like America. It takes an awfully long time. They've been working at it for five decades, and they've definitely done some damage, uh, the powers that be, but hopefully they can be stopped. So keep the faith. Happy investing. We're here for you. Be sure to go to Pandemic Investing to get your free book. And uh, uh, we will be with you on Wednesday for another podcast with more information. Until then, thank you for listening and uh, keep the faith. And uh, remember, God bless America and God bless the rest of the world. I know we have worldwide listeners, so I don't just want to make this America-centric, but I kind of I say that because America is such an important part of global freedom. It's, you know, throughout history, it's been like that beacon of freedom uh, for so many people around the world. And uh, I just really fear that that is changing. When I talk to people from other countries, they say, you know, if America falls, uh, that really reduces the chances of the rest of the world. And once the, these tech tools, these technological tools are so powerful that once uh, an evil force gets a hold of them and, uh, you know, uses them. It's, it's just very hard to come back from that. You know, years from now, we'll be discussing AI and, you know, what Elon Musk said about that. He, he's really fearful of AI. So uh, anyway, you know, there's, there's more to it, of course, but that's enough for now. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you all for listening. Please spread the word, share this video, share the channel, share this podcast. And until, uh, until uh, next time, keep the faith and be well. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye.